Hello and welcome to another episode of Self-Help Witch. I am Dee Michelle and I'm very happy to be chatting with you again. You may have noticed that I have slowed down. I was publishing an episode each week and I've shifted into an every other week model, which I think is called bi-weekly. I don't really know, but that's what I'm doing right now. (sighs) It's kind of hard for me, honestly, because I really want to publish an episode every week, but I got to tell you, as a manifesting generator, as someone with a lot of mutable placements in my chart, as someone with Mars and Jupiter conjunct, it's hard for me to manage my time. (laughs) I always think that I have more time than I really do, and I find myself, no matter how much I plan, completing projects at the buzzer. And I kind of like it. I mean, obviously, that's why this keeps happening. There's got to be a part of it that I kind of like. I kind of enjoy the thrill of being, like, under the gun. And I wish that it wasn't that way sometimes because, as I said, it's hard to manage your time when you like to take on a lot of projects and you wait till the last second (laughs) to do all of them. Like, for example, I'm recording this on Thursday the 5th and I'm publishing it tomorrow the 6th which if you do podcasting, you might be like, you're fucking crazy. (laughs) And maybe, maybe. But what I'm really trying to say here is I'm going to stick and force myself to publish every other week because my life outside of self-help, which has gotten really hectic, busy. I think I've shared on the show before that I'm a public school teacher by day, And that's actually part of the reason I go by Dean Michelle on the show. You may have heard other people, guests, even myself. My actual name is Dana, and you can call me that. (laughs) But I go by Dean Michelle on the show because I don't like want students to find me. (laughs) It's a very scary world for teachers right now, and I need to protect myself, right? So Dean Michelle, Dana, whatever you want. But because it's the end of the year, the end of the school year, I'm super busy. And I've told you all as well that I moved recently. I am now a homeowner, which is very strange. This is uh, my first house. And it's like everything I could ever dream of for a house, which is so incredible. And I feel so grateful and blessed and all of these things. And at the same time, (laughs) the hectic pace of the end of the year, the occupancy permit projects we have to complete under a certain time frame, literally just unpacking and putting things where they belong. It's been a lot. Oh, and like doing readings and recording podcasts. So I'm just trying to say thank you for being patient as I figure out my own process. And as I just kind of ground again, because that's really what I'm feeling is like grounding is necessary and it's just so busy right now. So I'm back this week with a solo episode for y'all and we're actually starting an ongoing series called Astrology and. One of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast of many 
is because I realized there were so many applications for using and approaching your birth chart, your natal chart. There's so many different angles we can look at this prism through and with that can help us in different ways and different seasons of life depending on what we need. So the goal with this astrology and series is to show you the different ways to look into the cosmic mirror. That is your birth chart and see different angles of yourself to get a more complete view of your multidimensionality. Something I've mentioned on the podcast before is that and I think this was the Bluebeard episode. If you haven't listened to it, that was a pretty good one. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm new to this, so maybe not all of them have been great. I don't know, but that one was good. In that episode, though, I talked about the fact that self or the idea of self, we think of it as a singular thing because the word self is singular, but actually it is... A concept. The self is a concept, and we have many parts of self. We're not just one thing ever. And the birth chart can really help you rediscover your your multidimensionality. And why would we want to do that? Because when we limit ourselves unnecessarily, we limit our potential. There's so much that we can do in this life if we want to. There's so many parts of us that want to be seen and expressed and it can be really easy to forget about those parts because of society, of conditioning, of our own internalized beliefs, like the list goes on. I think you don't need me to explain that, right? That's just a truth. And I actually think now that we're talking about it, it's part of why we're here is to go through the process of forgetting and remembering, right? Remembering why we're here, what's important to us, what we value. And actually, that was a perfect segue because today's episode is astrology and values and self-worth. So why values and self-worth? It's Taurus season. And right before Taurus season began, I heard another astrologer that I love, I believe it was 8th House Astrology. She does excellent mundane astrology, which is just like the astrology of the moment. So she was talking about Taurus as embodying values and that being a really important aspect of the Taurus vibe, Taurus energy. It was something I hadn't really thought about before. Even somebody who's like formally studying astrology, I was like, hmm, that's interesting. I could see, you know, we meme culture, we see memes all the time about Taurus as being stubborn And I think that is actually like the negative interpretation of what 8th house astrology was saying when they were talking about Taurus energy. When you're stubborn, it's usually because you are really adamant about what you believe. And that is actually just having really strong values. It's knowing exactly what you stand for. So today we are digging into how astrology values and self-worth work together. This is appropriate because tour season, but also because I think many of us interested in astrology and the like, these methods of spiritual remembering of self, we're interested in these modalities in holistic healing because we're looking for a reminder of what's really important sometimes. I think a lot of us, when we come to this 
world, we kind of find ourselves here because there was nowhere else to go. Like in my case, I was already in therapy. I was achieving every goal that I had set for myself. And there was really no reason for me to be feeling the way I was feeling, which was like I was missing something. And when you're achieving your goals and you don't feel satisfied, there's really nowhere else to look but within at what's wrong or why you feel the way you do, right? And that's actually a great place to be because you are finally going to start exploring the real root of why you feel the way you do and stop trying to fix it externally. I digress, but we come to this space because other things are not giving us what we need and we're trying to find a different way to inquire about ourselves, to get to know ourselves. We probably feel a little off, but we can't really name it. We're not sure what's going on exactly. We just know that we've been exploring methods of self-inquiry like therapy, for example, or even just self-reflection, like journaling, but we haven't quite named what's happened or happening. We come to astrology looking to reconnect with a part of ourselves, I believe, and sometimes what we're longing to remember is what's important to us, which is to say our values. So today I want to talk about why it's important to be clear on what you value how that is related to your self-worth, and how reflecting on your own birth chart can help you clarify both your values and bolster your self-worth in the process. This might be a weird way to begin this part of the show, but I remember being in D.A.R.E., like D.A.R.E. to keep the kids off drugs, and reading something like, if you don't know what you value, everyone else will decide for you. By the way, all Dare did was make me really curious about drugs. Like, I remember flipping to the page where they talked about angel dust and thinking, that sounds fucking cool. Also, definitely never done angel dust. I don't even know if I know what that is. But I saw this maxim about how if you don't know what you value, everyone else will decide for you. And even though I was 10 years old in fifth grade, That felt very poignant and powerful. I didn't really even know what it meant. I just felt like it was something that I really needed to reflect on and understand. And I thought about that a lot growing up. Obviously, I still remember it. It stayed with me. And thinking about it actually made me kind of nervous. Because I didn't know what was important to me deep down. I knew what was supposed to be important to me based on my family, my culture, my self-imposed limitations and beliefs about who I was and what I could do, what I was supposed to be doing. But I never really stopped and listened to my own voice when I had that conversation with myself about what was important. Now, I think already you can tell how values are linked to self-worth. The reason my values were external or externally placed upon me, I was getting them from outside myself, is because I was never taught to value or just took the time to nurture my own voice and desires. Beyond that, there was a part of me that thought other people's values were more important than my own. And maybe I didn't trust myself to have my own unique set of values. 
I just didn't think that was something I could decide for myself on some level. Why, I'm not really sure. But I don't think that's uncommon. Because when are we ever given space, time, or just having it brought to our conscious awareness that it's important to know what you value? We're constantly told what to value instead. And that's not always inherently negative or evil, right? It's not like all of our values are due to indoctrination or some conditioning. Certainly that exists because implicit bias exists, because herd mentality exists, because we're human. That's part of it. But also it's just the fact that it takes time for some of us to realize this, that we grew up with our family's beliefs, our culture's beliefs and values. And we, we get to a point where we begin to question that. And I think a pretty typical route is, you know, we kind of are living blindly, not really being aware of our values. We get to a point where we realize the values we're living with, we don't really agree with them necessarily. And I feel like that's right around the time when we're teenagers. And that's kind of why we get so angry. Like, you know what? I'm not fucking doing that anymore. Very punk rock. And then... That gets old after a while. Like being anti-everything is boring. <laughs> and we just kind of think, well, what else? What else is there? But that can take a long time. It can take a long time to get to that part where we start kind of exploring what else there is for us and what is really important to us. I feel like it's around the time when you're in your full-time job and you're kind of in the swing of things. Like, there's not so much change anymore. And for some of us, we don't realize it until we're in our 30s or 40s or even later. Everyone has this realization in their own right time, but we all arrive at this place where we begin to question what we value. This kind of begs the question, what is a value? What do we mean when we use that word? Value is literally intrinsically linked to worth through etymology, which is word history, word origin. The roots of the word value are Latin, and basically it meant something of worth. So there's that connection that can't be denied, right? Your value has to do with what you put worth in. And when all of your values are the ones you've inherited without question, without consciously accepting them, you are saying in so many, in your actions, that what you truly value isn't worth anything. And what other people value is the only thing that matters. So let's think about the idea of worth. This is fascinating to me because worth is a term that we usually use when we're thinking about things outside of us in the external manifest material world. We're assigning worth to how much we're charging for something, right? What is my time worth? What is this desk I want to sell worth? So we use that term to talk about tangible and non-tangible things, but we're typically talking about things that are going on outside of us. I think that you can only truly define what something is worth through the internal. 
And what I mean by that is we determine worth based on our values. If you stop and think about it, this is really the only way it can work because in order to establish what something is worth, you have to think about what it means to you. You have to run the worthiness or value of something through your own filter. And if your filter has not been consciously chosen by you, your standards by which you assess the worthiness of something, if those haven't been checked, if they're inherited without conscious reflection on if you want them or not, you are not making choices based on what's important to you, but what's important to other people. And the longer we do that, the less connected we feel to ourselves because those aren't our values. And I think this creates a situation where people feel unworthy. They have a low self-worth because they don't know what's important to them. So of course it's going to feel difficult to feel valuable and worthy when your filter for how you make choices has nothing to do with what's important to you. This is so important to talk about, I think, because I feel like this is the unnamed spiritual pandemic where so many people are living seemingly great, high-functioning, high-performing lives, and yet on the inside, they are not satisfied, and they don't know why. I mean, this is what happened to me. I wouldn't say I was like super high performing or anything, but I was achieving the goals I set for myself. I was doing everything I set out to do, and I still felt hollow. I felt disconnected, and it didn't make sense to me, and I did not know how to explain what I was experiencing to anybody. And now I see, because of the reflection I've done with my birth chart and just in general with myself, the work that I've done, the therapy that I've gone to, all of it has helped me to see that part of that feeling was being disconnected from myself and essentially from what I valued. My filter needed to be reset and cleared of the values I inherited from other people and from my society that I didn't want to keep anymore. And I want to say too, if you're out there thinking, oh my God, that's it. That's what I've been dealing with. That's what I've been feeling and couldn't put my finger on it. Please believe that this is something that can be resolved. There's no possible way you could ever become completely disconnected from yourself while you're still here, while you're still alive. So if you're hearing this and this is resonating for you, this was something you needed to hear, right? This is like the start of it probably. And my intention with this show is to give you tangible ways that you can use your chart to reconnect to yourself. And I also want to say here that if you would rather work with somebody, I do offer birth chart readings. Specifically, I really want to help people like this who are on this journey of reconnection to what's important to them and what they value because I really believe the birth chart can help you start to remember what is already within you and you've just forgotten. There's no shame in it. It's a part of a lot of and I would say most if not all of our journeys to do this cycle of remembering and forgetting but I'm here to help you if you're interested in a birth chart reading and if you're not Keep listening to the podcast because I intend to give lots of good free advice. 
So let's get into how to use your birth chart to help you understand and remember your values. So now I want to tell you how you can use your birth chart to help you if you are looking for a way to reconnect and remember your values. The first thing I want to say is that there's no way I could give you every single way to reconnect to your values in your chart because honestly, the whole chart speaks to what's important to you. Any placement you look at is going to give you some insight on this. What I want to share today is like the first few places I would look if someone came to me and said, hey, I feel like I don't know what's important to me. Can you help me figure out by looking at my chart where I may be living according to someone else's values and how I can reconnect to mine? So the first place I would look is the fourth house, and I'll tell you why. Now, if you um, are not familiar with the houses and that term is foreign to you, essentially, it, when you look at your birth chart, you're going to see different segments with the zodiacal signs and with numbers around them. The numbers are the houses. And what the houses tell us in a birth chart is how the energy of the sign and planets there will play out in your life. So the fourth house can tell you what you truly believe or what your family has taught you to believe. This house has to do with your home, your family, and your ancestry, but it's also the most private part of self. This is like the midnight of your chart. And if you've ever seen a birth chart, and if you haven't, literally just Google it so you know what I'm talking about, there are four lines there's more than four lines, but there's four angles is what they're called. They're the ascendant degree, the descendant degree, the MC, which is the midheaven, and the IC, which is the Imam Coeli. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It's fine. <laughs> so these four angles point to places in the sky where the sun would be. So the ascendant and the descendant are the horizon. It's where the sun would rise and the sun would set. Because remember what we're looking at with the birth chart is a view of the solar system from our point of view on Earth, a geocentric point of view. So the sun would rise on the ascendant, which basically means when you were born, that's where the horizon line was. So for me, my ascendant is 17 Libra. When I was born at 8 p.m., the horizon line was 17 Libra. The descendant is the western horizon, the sunset line, okay? And that's going to be opposite your ascendant. The MC is the highest point of the sky, so that'd be like high noon. And the IC is midnight, the lowest point the sun would be in the sky. So all that to say, that's kind of the symbolic foundation of why the fourth house and the IC specifically, which is not always in the fourth house, sometimes it's in the third or the fifth, but these places, the fourth house and the IC can really tell us about the private self. It can often reveal things that we don't see right off the bat without reflection, that we're not consciously aware of. And I think it can also tell us about the values that we inherited or that were just inherently a part of us. So I will use my chart as an example. Capricorn, which is my fourth house, is a sign of discipline. It is a sign of initiation, of building, of doing things, of execution, of winning. And those are things that I feel strongly inherently and I think were really instilled in me as a child. 
do good, get good grades, don't mess up, don't get into trouble. (laughs) And certainly, as you can hear me talking about it, some of that was not healthy. Some of it was self-imposed. I did it to myself, right? Like, yes, my parents definitely emphasized the necessity of getting good grades. There was a culture of success, I feel like, like I had to be successful. But some of that I definitely put on myself. So that reflection for me just alone with my fourth house gave me a lot of insight about my perfectionistic tendencies and how I might assess the worthiness of my work through that perfectionistic lens and why that is clearly not helpful. It makes it harder for me to get things done and to finish things because it's never good enough if I let that part of myself take over. But of course, nothing's all good or all bad. So I can also look at that and say, wow, look how far that's gotten me. I never give up on something that I want to do. I might stop doing it if I'm (laughs) not interested anymore. But generally speaking, I think that this has really been a positive for me. And it's something I mostly want to keep. But the perfectionistic side of it, I need to be really cognizant of because That often gets in my way, and it certainly gets in the way of being able to celebrate myself, which, man, if you also identify as a somewhat perfectionistic person, I think you could probably relate to that. And that sucks, because we work too hard to not celebrate ourselves, right? All of us. So, start with the fourth house. Think about the sign. The sign will speak to a value inherently within you, or a value from your family and ancestry, or possibly both, like what I just described. The planets there are going to tell you about the more like pointed ways the energy shows up. So, you know, for me, Saturn's in my fourth house in Capricorn, which that's Saturn's home sign. It's very comfortable there. And Saturn is not necessarily a very helpful planet in the like material good kind of way, which what I mean by that is Saturn can make things more challenging. Challenges are good for us spiritually and we need them in order to have good times. However, challenges are hard, (laughs) like plain and simple. The challenge of Saturn in Capricorn in a night chart, meaning I was born at night, so Saturn's a little tougher on people who are born at night, is it wants control. And that definitely resonates with me. I love to feel in control. Now, was this something I was aware of prior to all of this reflection? Absolutely not. Which is kind of wild because it's very obvious to me now. Like even thinking back on my life, I can think of so many things I've done that I'm embarrassed of. It's kind of cringy like to think about how almost desperate I was for control. And part of that is because I had a lot of situations where I was out of control. So part of this is trauma. And listen, if this starts to get heavy, please talk to a therapist because this will bring things up. So I actually recommend that you already establish a relationship with a therapist before you really dive into this because it's going to bring up some things, right? But this process of using the birth chart as a reflection tool, it not only will help you see what you value, what maybe you've valued without knowing it. Like for me, it was control. And through that, you'll be able to cultivate some compassion for yourself. 
Kind of like what I was just saying about realizing why control was so important to me. Well, yeah, I felt out of control. And there was a part of me that was like, you know what? I'm going to fucking be heard now. I need to know that part of me is here so that I can take care of that part of me. So that I'm not making choices blindly out of a value that I haven't consciously chosen. The value of having control. Which in my conscious life, like, yes, some level of control is important. But not to the extent that my subconscious need for it was needing it. So... Look to the fourth house, reflect on the sign, reflect on the planets there. And you can look at the planet's dignity, which is what I was just talking about. Dignity has to do with how planets do in particular signs. So if you just Google planetary dignities, traditional, you will get the placements that I would use if I was assessing dignity. There is such a thing as modern dignity or modern rulerships. You could absolutely use that too. I use the traditional rulerships or dignities. If you have questions about that, DM me. I'm happy to explain in more detail, but I might not hear <laughs> just for the sake of not boring everybody. The other thing you can do, which is basically like what I was just explaining with dignities, is look at the planet that rules your fourth house. So for me, it was Saturn, which Saturn was already there. So I was already thinking about that. Now, let's say your fourth house is Scorpio. The ruler of Scorpio is Mars. That's the traditional ruler. The modern ruler of Scorpio is Pluto. So you could look at one, the other, or both. Look at where they're at in your chart. Right? So let's say um, my fourth house is Scorpio, and I want to look at Pluto and Mars. Pluto's in my second house, and Mars is in my twelfth. So Pluto in the second is now bringing in the theme of resources, your personal resources, your personal money. It's bringing those themes into the conversation of what you value, because the planet that rules your fourth house is in that house. The twelfth house is the house of the unseen the house of things and people and places that are separate and isolated, like hospitals or prisons. The disenfranchised in general is a theme of the 12th house and of being unseen. So now those themes are also being brought in to your fourth house of Scorpio, which is all about going deep, transformation, going for it, intensity, all of these things you would start to reflect on and think, how are these related to the values that I have? And if that's a hard question to answer, what I want you to do is think about your actions. Oftentimes when we start to reflect on our values, we think, well, what do I value? What do I believe? And it's really not about what you think you believe because most of this, a lot of this is hidden from you right now. It's unseen. So what you need to do is reflect on how you actually behave in real life especially when you're faced with situations that you end up not liking the outcome for. Like I found myself in relationships over and over again where I would be in them for like a year or two and I would then lose interest and I wouldn't, I wouldn't get it. I, I never understood why I thought there was something wrong with me. And I, it took a lot of reflection for me to really get to a point where I understood why that was. And looking inside was not helpful. Because I didn't know, <laughs> like there was, it was a big question mark when I would reflect. 
So what I needed to do instead was think about the similarities in my behavior and why I was wanting to leave when I was wanting to leave. And that took some time. It took some space from those relationships. But eventually, you do get to a point where you can start to see the pattern. It takes practice and self-reflection to see those patterns. But that's exactly what reflecting with your birth chart can help you do. So I'll give you one more way in to look at your values, and that would be with the planet Jupiter. Jupiter is often talked about as the planet of abundance, the planet that makes things grow. And yes, there's that. And Jupiter is the philosopher of the planets. It's the big picture seer, the priest, the rabbi, the spiritualist. This is an under-discussed aspect of Jupiter, I think, that Jupiter is actually about hope and faith. It's about having faith and seeing the bigger picture. And this makes sense if you know that Jupiter rules Pisces and Sagittarius. Jupiter is about passion, and it's also about hopes and dreams and faith that's needed to accomplish something that only exists in your imagination. Very Piscean and very Sag. So why can Jupiter help you understand your values? Because Jupiter is the philosopher. To demonstrate how Jupiter can help tell you about your values, I'm going to use Dolly Parton's chart. Thank you, by the way, to everybody who answered my poll on my stories. I asked for suggestions in my stories for a demo chart to use to demonstrate strong values. And I got a lot of good ones, but I thought Dolly Parton would be so interesting to do, especially because I think she's getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So I'll have her chart in the show notes if you want to take a peek at it. But her Jupiter is in the second house in Libra. So let's break this down a little bit just on its own. Jupiter in the second house. The second house is the house of resources. And when we hear resources, most of us, I think, think of money. But your resources go much further than that. Your resources are the things you have available to you to help you. I don't know why, but the image of like Ash from, you know, the Game Boy Pokemon game (laughs) and the TV show and all of it just came up. I don't know if you remember playing that game, but you had all your tools. And I guess like most video games, right? You have all of these things you can pick from to help you. And that's what I think of when when I think of the second house. It's the house of your resources that you have at your disposal to support you. That can be money. It can be items. It can be your house, your possessions. It can be things that you have inherent to you, like charisma or business savvy. And that kind of takes us into Dolly Parton's chart. So Jupiter and Libra is going to be very good at diplomacy and care a lot about being balanced in the realm of resources. So if I was just reading some random person's chart, I would say you're probably naturally good with managing your resources and you see the bigger picture for how you want to use stuff. This person probably values being strategic with their resources. With Libra being a cardinal air sign, I would think that someone with Jupiter and Libra would really value having a plan, especially for their resources. And as a result, they might make really good business people. And that's actually the case in Dolly Parton's life. She 
as we see in her lived experience, has built an empire, truly. I was actually reading her bio to kind of prep for this, and she learned business from her family. I want to say her father and her uncle. She described herself as growing up dirt poor. She had 12 siblings, by the way. Her mom had 12 children before the age of 35, which is fucking unthinkable. But (laughs) she described her life as like, you know, very rustic and very poor. But she said her dad, and as I said, I believe her uncle, were two of the most business savvy people she'd ever met. And she learned everything she learned about business from them. What's so fascinating about this is, as I mentioned earlier, Jupiter rules Sagittarius. And what do you know, her fourth house, the house of home, family, and ancestry is Sagittarius. So do we see now how these these elements, these components can kind of start to work together to build a picture of what is important to you? Yes, balancing and making a plan for and growing, because that's Jupiter too, her resources came from her experiences as a child, from her home, from her family, which speaks to Sag being in the fourth. So to recap, if you're trying to reconnect with your values through the lens of your birth chart, the first place I would look is your fourth house, along with any planets that are there and the planet that rules the sign of your fourth house. You can also look at your Jupiter placement. And one thing I didn't mention that I'm not going to go into a ton of detail here, but you can also look at your chart ruler, which is the planet that rules your first house. If you're not sure who your chart ruler is, DM me. I'll help you figure it out. But all three of these placements, along with, again, literally everything else in your chart, can give you a great idea of what really matters to you. Well, that's it for this time. That was our first astrology and series episode. And I really hope that you liked it. I hope that it was helpful for you. Please do not hesitate to reach out to me with questions about this. I really want this podcast to be useful and helpful for you. DM me at selfhelpwitch. Send me an email, selfhelpwitch at gmail.com. I would love to hear your questions about how to use your birth chart for self-awareness, what you're curious about when it comes to your birth chart, and really just get to know you. So please reach out. Please let me know what you thought of this episode. I look forward to making the next episodes for you. I hope that you are having a great day wherever you are. I love you. Keep going. Goodbye.